Hey everyone, this is Chris Gaines, co-founder of The Den, and we're here at a new set, new location, we've got some new faces, um, and this is State of the Industry. Uh, so we're really excited for today's, uh, today's new podcast. We're focusing on the gaming industry today. Obviously we'll cover some of the, the big headlines that happened over the past few weeks, uh, but then we're going to join uh, join our new guest, uh, Malcolm Flack, the hey, how's it going? Co-founder of uh, Bbuck.io, uh, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about his project, as well as give his insights on uh, the blockchain space in general, as well as how, uh, from a gaming industry perspective, his take on some of the uh, things that are happening. Also here with our um, you know standard experts, we got Svetsidov and Jason. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, why don't you quickly uh, just introduce yourself a bit, tell us uh, you know what you're doing in the space, and then we'll hop into the first topics. Sure. Yeah. So uh, as Chris mentioned, my name is Malcolm Flack. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Bbuck, um, and we're essentially a token economy for gamers, so that for the first time ever, gamers can now be paid to play video games. Uh, and you don't have to be a professional or stream anything like that. Um, it's as simple as like a 10 minute sign up. Uh, you go sit on your couch and play games and uh, get a little money while you do it. So sounds really exciting. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to learning more about Bbuck. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so let's hop straight into the kind of the first topic, and then uh, we'll go from there. Uh, so, all right, this one, uh, this one is. It kind of goes back to uh, some of the topics that we've brought up recently. Uh, a lot of the times we come back and forth with regulations in the blockchain space, right? Um, so the libertarian think tank, uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute, um, it's ranked uh, number 59 out of 60 on uh, the top think tanks in the United States. Um, they recently published a 12-page long report named uh, Cryptocurrency and the SEC's Limitless Power Grab. Um, and within this article, it sharply criticizes uh, the current SEC position on cryptocurrencies. Um, so one of the, the interesting uh, things that come out of this article, um, they're saying, among federal financial regulatory industries, none poses a greater threat to cryptocurrency and the associated blockchain technologies than the Securities and Exchange Commission. That is a really strong claim. Um, let me hear your guys' thoughts on this one. Yeah, sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> rubbing his hands together. <laughs> uh, well, it's not a secret that um, we several times, me including, expressed that um, how we would put it, like a disappointment with the current position of SAC, with outdated legislation that we cannot really regulate the industry based on 1930s laws. And additionally, the level of attention our industry is getting from those guys is absolutely minimal as we're not existing. Almost they care about us only with these huge hikes or dumps on the market, which is not absolutely the way to address for such a type of industry from part of regulators. And here we go, we have a people who are saying that. Hmm. It's not the people from around the corner, right? It's one of the established think tanks. It's... I know maybe several thousands of think tanks acting in the United States. Those guys they are in the top 60. So yeah. it makes them not maybe not the most authoritarian voice in our industry in the in the kind of uh, economics and the usual topics they address. But that's important, and that's why I'm actually applauding that their statement. Yeah. So I, I mean, in my opinion, I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, taxi drivers fought Uber. I think the hotel industry fought Airbnb. Um, the SEC has every right to or incentive to kind of an attack blockchain technology and prevent these things from moving forward. Um, and I think that especially speaks to the power of decentralization is the fact that if you do have a decentralized network, you can't hold one particular individual responsible for what's happening. Um, so I feel like that is uh, kind of why the industry is pushing so much towards that. Um, and if we ever do reach that, then uh, hopefully the SEC won't have as much demand over this stuff. It feels like a, it's it's all comes back to the paradigm shift, right? Absolutely. And 1930s uh, laws that were created for an entirely different world, like it wasn't even globalized in the, the way that it is today. Now shifting over to trying to to catch up to something that has progressed so fast in the past 30 years. Just you think like technology, the internet, the computers, it's completely like uh, skewed like line graphs. 
yeah, just to remember what their high taste is based on. It's uh, uh, apple juice futures. So now we try to align the industry, most advanced industry on earth with <laughs> apple juice. I have nothing against apple juice producer, but guys, we need to end that, right? So we need to kind of align uh, regulations with the existing technologies. Otherwise, it's going to nowhere. Otherwise, United States of America in the five years will be the last country where people involved in the blockchain industry will so see you like us want to want to leave, right? So, because it's very difficult to make any types of business when we have IRS, uh, all, of all of the three letters agencies yeah. always contradictory their own statements issuing multiple regulations virtually every month without any legislative support from Congress. What do you think, Jason? Man, yeah. uh, Bitcoin, the whole, the killer app of Bitcoin is decentralization, you know, and it's <laughs> been, that was it, you know, everybody's like, hey, we need the killer app in blockchain. Well, we've had it. <laughs> it started uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> to start with. It was the first thing that came out with it. Um, and uh, like I said before, you know, uh, blockchain doesn't need uh, the government to run. It's been running fine. Um, it's going to continue to run fine. Uh, the SEC, are they doing a power grab like uh, what this article says? Uh, yeah, of course they are. They're trying to, you know, be relevant but not have to do work like changing rules. So, I mean, that would be an awesome job <laughs> Adapting, to have, right? Like, innovating. <laughs> we, just take, we just take this old playbook and we just use it forever and never have to think of anything new to do? Cool. You know, it's a or just, sweet job. Or just increase the, the length of the uh, amendments or the little changes like exceptions. Uh, exceptions that we the come exceptions. up with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or maybe I even will contradict what you're saying. Uh, we have a governance in blockchain, right? We have a governance mechanism. Yeah, it's consensus. <laughs> all the, yes, but we have also validators in EOS and we have the uh, people who kind of running the big mining machines everywhere in the world. So there is some governance, but all the point of blockchain is introduced, they, they, um, they produce the experiment in the model of governance. That's the point. And I think we have to do that exactly because of that. It's not that blockchain come and all the governors, governing government around the world will disappear. It's just a new and absolutely cool and successful experiment. And I think that even if governments do not support it because, uh, I don't know, they're outdated ideology or because they don't want to, they still have to support it to see what it's possible to do. If, if we cannot do that by ourselves, maybe governments will be uploading this failed experiment. But let us do that. Just simple like that, like, I don't know, sandboxes or whatever. Yeah, it feels like, I mean... It is relatively obvious, it feels that way, that it's uh, expected friction. Like, there's no way that you're going to try and create something that disrupts an industry or a, a way of doing things that has not really been messed with for so long and not expect for there to be... <laughs> yeah, backlash. Backlash. Or, you know, trying to, to, to pigeonhole something into a space that it doesn't fill. Um, mm -hmm. So, we're just... At the end of the day, we have to deal with it because governments exist. <laughs> They're not going away anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> At least I don't think. <laughs> maybe they will. Maybe. But um, yeah. no, I, I agree. I, I think just to add on to that, not to drag out it or drag it out too long or anything. But I, I think uh, it really is kind of a matter of the government accepting it more than even supporting it. Um, I think it's we're, what we're more moving more towards yeah. is a peer-to-peer -peer economy, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of Everywhere. the buzz of the space. Yeah. Um, and so that implies, though, that like, for instance, I have no quarrel with anyone in Mexico right now directly. So there's no reason I shouldn't be able to just transact with them off the get-go Yeah. versus our government, right, who wants to go up and build these walls and like, uh, you know, yeah, do do things that are kind of beyond what my uh, experience has been. Your personal Actually, I think it's an excellent point because of what you see what happens now in the real economy so-called real economy which deal with the front of our frontiers political division existing now in the uh, world then this division become even more and more pronounced right so we know that there are a lot of sanctions around and there is now trade wars between between two biggest economy in the world china and the United States, and that tells us what the future is going to be. Most probably, I'm not saying that I'm so pessimistic about that, but probability exists that in the nearest future, we're going to have more terrorists, more barriers. 
But blockchain, it's practically only one way out of that. Yeah. It's only one way make us uh, only one way to let us trade with theirs. Uh, it breaks folks. down or ignores all the barriers that governments typically put Well, out. I don't think we will be able to ignore, but we will be able to overcome that. Mm -hmm. So there is a kind of maybe uh, compromise possible here because technology provides a possibility. And then the legislatures or regulators, regulators, their job is to make that possibilities be implemented in real life in the scope of the existing, I don't know, laws, ethical considerations, whatever, military, whatever they think is possible, but still allowing that. So my point is that, uh, back to your point, right? So that's exactly why everybody's so excited about that. So from one point, we have this uh, narrowing scope of the business outside of uh, blockchain and expanding scope of the business inside. Where all the businesses must go? To the blockchain, logically. You see what I'm saying, right? We don't need blockchain if, uh, well, uh, let's say like an immediate communication with all the countries, you can switch your account from one point to another probably. I mean, like, imagine that. Yeah. If it wouldn't do that, if it wouldn't be possible to do immediate transaction between all the countries, blockchain, we don't need it. Most part of it, right? Mm -hmm. But if we do such constraints, blockchain is way out. Yeah, I think that's... Uh it's a really good, uh, it's good for us to keep up to date on these things. Like to really, it's all we can do at this point is work around it. Boy, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. and it changes one day and then you're on to the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, let's shift on to the next topic. Um, this one uh, I, I think is actually really, uh, really interesting. So um, most of us are pretty familiar with you know, development, um, Stack Overflow, huge website. Um, everyone uses it. It's like Google for specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like pretty much every problems. day there. Exactly. Um, so they recently did a survey. Um, and so basically they surveyed about 90,000 people. And there were uh, some findings that they found uh, specifically around the blockchain from these uh, primarily developers on the site. Um, and so this, uh, they published data and it basically showed that about 80% of organizations that through this survey um, do not use blockchain technology currently. Um, a couple of the other stats, 12.7% uh, of the developers responded that um, organizations that are using blockchain are using it for non-currency, uh, cryptocurrency purposes. So they're using the, uh, the cryptographic proofs, stuff like that, smart contracts, um, and only 4% were using it for cryptocurrency-related um, solutions. So, um, yeah, let me know what you guys think about this one. <laughs> Jesus. No, no. I was just thinking, no. I was like, man, I wonder what, this, what these numbers would have looked like in 2017. Oh. You know, like... <laughs> That's a good one. Everybody's like, uh, you know, people would say, oh, I, I'm into the tech, and they'd be like, yeah, sure, no, you're not. You're into you're into making money and, and seeing your stuff, you know, and speculating and getting things, you know, yeah. going, but... You know, being an old timer here that's been in this space for a long time, uh, <laughs> you know, it's always been about the tech, you know, and being able to do things like Svet like was just talking about uh, with the last question, you know, being able to move money anywhere, you know, having a having a code in my head that I can move all my money into another country yeah. uh, by just walking across the border and finding someone that can exchange it with me, you know, without... <laughs> having to have permission of any kind. Oh, okay, um, let me ask you, uh, do you mean that, uh, say, since the time you, were, you first went to that area, there is a drastic shift in the perception of that technology? I, what would uh, you put the numbers at? Uh, well, no, no. 2017, what do you think they would be? The Gosh, you know, it's hard to say because uh, probably, a, I don't know how many of these developers have come on after 2017, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. like, it would it would just be interesting if we had if Stack had done this same thing same a few thing. years yes. ago. I mean, it's hindsight, but uh, you know, uh, so many people looking at the tech, which is what should be driving all of this. Yeah. Um, you know, which is the whole point. Um, the blockchain software. You know, it's technology. Um, to have it, you know, on this this article here saying, you know, the, the people that are actually looking at the cryptocurrency side of it and, and the speculative and uh, and that side is <laughs> now like is really small. Like, sure, uh, but I do feel like uh, ninety, you know, ninety thousand people or how many they pulled there. Like, that, yeah, that is that is a huge sample set For, of data. So so I'm sure those numbers are good. Yeah, uh, you know, some of the things we talk about, we talk about sample and not knowing what the sample is, but that that's a solid. 
I have nothing group. to say against that outside of I think that you were mentioning that uh, there's could be some response bias uh, from India. Oh. One of which uh, <laughs> one of the uh, findings says that uh, developers in India are the most likely to say that their organizations are using blockchain tech. Well, that because of the numbers, right? India is a pretty much huge country, and, they, and well there country. is no Chinese wall in India, so that so many people connected to and using their opportunity to express their opinions everywhere they can. Yeah. And uh, one point which we have probably to remember that this poll actually reflects the, not the position of developers themselves, but the position of the organization that they're working for. Right. for. Yeah. And that's why uh, there is one other number which I, I kind of read there, is there is uh, this uh, huge disparity between how important most of the developers think blockchain is, it's a 60%, but only 20% actually using that. And it gives me like a... Mm almost two-fold uh, increase in blockchain uh, usage ahead of us, right? Mm-hmm. Because going from 20 to 60, it's threefold, I'm sorry. So um, just when I read it, I become like, a wow. I didn't, I didn't think that there are so many uh, just people ready to jump into, mm-hmm. providing the organization supported. Because what I think is now stopping us, it's not, I'm sorry to say that, but we don't have enough funding. Most of the organization, you know, we already review how many, maybe couple, at least couple of reports about how corporate world look at the blockchain. Yeah. So the average size of the project not exceeding like probably two to five million dollars per year, which is which, which is nothing in a big organization, huge organization, it's nothing. It's like a one department, it's like a maybe three, four smart guys working for maybe like a three, four years. Just it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the kind of the counter to that, though, is like $30 million ICOs and all these things to develop, you know, their own applications, whether that be for enterprise or more like consumer facing. Hmm. Um, and additionally, I, I feel like uh, this this poll is really speaking about developers who are obviously doing enterprise applications. This might be in, um, I don't know, insurance, real estate uh, yeah, yeah, are some of the bigger ones. Um, Not necessarily true because so. we don't know whether it's a cryptocurrency sure, related sure. organization. Maybe there's uh, half of those guys that are from ICOs, uh, supported organizations. Well, but. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming they're not even doing ICOs at all. Like if you're looking at purely an efficiency standpoint or, or like with cost reduction, right? And you have blockchain that you're implementing with real estate or insurance or something. Not only does that give um, the owners of that information more autonomy and control over over their data, but it also reduces the cost of the middleman with those. So real estate, right, is like a broker and, um, you know, kind of the underwriting fees that have to take place when you're buying a piece of land or, um, you know, insurance, right? Instead of having to call your doctor and all these things, like how cool would it be if you just had all of your stuff in one place that's secure and you could grab and access and, you know, it's like universal. Um, so, so I feel like anyways, those are good enterprise things. Um, I don't know about the funding though, because the funding. I mean, I'm all for funding. I love funding. Right? Don't get me wrong. Who doesn't love funding? Don't. That's why I'm looking at you like a what? Yeah, I hate funding. You, no, you no. come here, talk to those guys. They're they're investors, and I don't need funding. So no, no, please, no, definitely. Yeah. Why no. you here? No, I, I feel like uh, there there has been other people in the space though, right? That are doing the the decentralized Ubers and kind of existing business models. Yeah, Yeah, and they raise these huge rounds um, and they have nothing really to show for it, right? They don't have a level of traction or anything that would, it's like series D money on on something that's on a white paper, right? And that (laughs) ruined it for a lot of like actual businesses. I have a lot of grounds to disagree with that because I already, you know, I'm reading these reports actually, guys, you're only seeing them. I'm reading it. It's not confirmed by the numbers because no more than 10, 15% of all the, first of all, concerning all these fraud type of, you know, uh, rumors, there are no more than 10%, that's maximum number I've ever seen in any reports, uh, which are which were really fraudulent. Fraudulent. I see. Well, no more yeah, than 10%. Absolutely. The rest, the rest, they're just incompetent. It's, yeah. But we have how many startups in my life I've seen competent? If you ask me this 1%, it's less than 1%. <laughs> and uh, that's the nature of the play because most of these startups are run by young people like you. So... How many years of experience do you have, my friend? <laughs> I don't think that many, many, many investors. And by the way, revelation: I'm a, a shareholder for, for that young guy company. Just to let, you, <laughs> let you guys know Good that I'm a good, high capital. I'm partial. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm small shareholders that make me independent. <laughs> In most of my money. But uh, point being that. Uh, 
ICOs properly organized, they can be of big, big help. Absolutely. Specifically, that's a very key. Yeah, properly right, right, <laughs> right now. Yeah, of it's course, we phrase. have some misgivings. Oh, we need the audit. We need to deal in general. We need all this stuff. But uh, already, like based last reports we discussed, uh, probably last. Uh, oh, we didn't. But one of the last reports which was issued about ICO says that now the uh, size of the funding is drastically shrink per one ICO. It used yeah. to be for about five million, so now it's as average. Barely, yes. Barely is one million. Then the probability to acquire finding for ICO in 2017 it used to be fifty percent. Only fifty percent in seven, 2017. So for the companies was able to acquire one. Now it's only thirty percent. So it's going down, but maybe it's stabilizing. So my point is it's going to stabilize as soon as we get to the point when we're able to check actually the background of the founders hmm. and their future plans and somehow control issues of funds. For example, we put something in custody and then start to issue money from the custody instead of just giving directly or charging money or sending money directly to you to accounts of the uh, startup fund. Yeah. That's... Basically, yeah. why? Yeah, I think uh, like everything is kind of following as far as funding is following the the trend of, of like Bitcoin, the price, right? Like part of you can well, relate like the, the decrease so. in price to everyone, you know, got a little too excited with the, you know, the ICOs and everything. Regulators come in, like we were talking about earlier, um, start throwing hammers everywhere. <laughs> People okay. get a little scared. Um, but we do know that there are actively people who are trying to do, on, do the next thing. They're trying to build the next protocol who still have innovative ideas and who want to get to the next step. But now they have to go through some red tape. Um, they have to weed through, you know, the, the speculation and everything that caused kind of the, the crash that we had. Right. So it's going to take it to like a rebuilding period. I, th I think that's Actually, what it yeah, is. very much like you're saying that we fall in Bitcoin step. It's not only in terms of prices. It's also in terms of the values, because now yeah. if you think it's many people express this opinion, Bitcoin more and more become like a store of value type of thing rather than being like a medium of exchange. I'm not saying you cannot use because we have a lightning and everything, but what I'm saying is we have a structure now forming in our industry, right? So we have more or less these currency slash companies occupying different niches. Some become more, um, say, product, or, oh, sorry, uh, big corporation orientated, you know, like a more centralized type of thing. And other, other type of uh, other coins start to kind of migrate more than gaming industry, you're going to talk about that. Some of them try to stay in the middle, and that's what we need. And as soon as we got that structure defined, then we have much more clearer channel for financing. Yeah. We shouldn't say no ICO, we should say more ICO, but better ICO. Better, yeah. yeah. I think that that's, mm -hmm. that's this period of time that yeah, exactly. we're having, is finding out what it takes to have that correctly done, uh, raising the funding. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, let's, let's hop on to the next topic. We want to get into uh, some of the gaming-specific stuff. Um, Finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's good. And, uh, you know, I'm an avid gamer. I know Jason is an yeah, avid gamer. Are you an avid gamer? Oh, that's a excellent question, actually. I used to game a lot, but now I'm more like a Go player. I play a lot of Go's, uh, but it's not a, It's basically a board game, right? You have this 19 by 19 well, You can board. play on your phone and stuff, too. Mm, I don't like it. Because <laughs> Go is... It's, it's, it's like it's a game. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you're an avid gamer Absolutely. as well. <laughs> no doubt. Um, so uh, let's hop into this uh, this article. So basically, uh, Engine is uh, creating a real-life uh, Ready Player One, and it's powered by blockchain. Now, <laughs> we're all... I, I hope we've all seen Ready Player One, right? Um, for anyone who hasn't seen it... I love that movie. It was an amazing movie. Steven Spielberg, right? Yep. Um, so, good director. Uh, and basically, it showcased this entirely new fantasy world that is projected to be not that far in the future, where everyone has a virtual world, virtual reality, that they can live essentially second lives. And most important, it's about coins. That's <laughs> all about coins. And, and the entire motivator is collecting coins and you know being able to spend it on stuff. Any gamification, but it's yeah. like of almost like the second life that's kind of more people will spend more time in their second life than the, the real life. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Yeah, it's a good movie about economic in, economically incentivizing people doing more work in offline. Yeah. And basically opening the world for them. 
Yeah. So, so basically, uh, what I wanted to, to dive into. Um, so, why do they need? Why is blockchain uh, such an important part of this uh, this development? Like, why why do they need? blockchain technology in order to have a ready player one in real life one more thing which i add to this one before we start the conversation this article is pretty much about the new erc standard 1155 because that's kind of standard which now allow you to bundle your 1720y if you are like a you know collectibles if you have a lot of collectibles in different games now you can bundle it into one contract yeah. and then use this contract to move your collectibles as a group from one place to well, from one game to another, and just that's the way there's inventors uh, uh, engine. We see the future. So what do you? Yeah, no, I was going to touch on that. I on think this? yeah, another thing that ERC eleven fifty five does um, is it allows you to take. I just forgot my point because I think you just said it. <laughs> okay, so concentrate. There was concentrate. a yeah yeah yeah. So um, how you so, how can you you can you use eleven fifty five in your game? In your yeah. application, I'm sorry. Yeah, so my application, absolutely not. Um, so we built on top of Stellar, so we're not even related to Ethereum yeah. at all. Um, what I was going to say, what is cool about that ERC-1155 is that the old um, ERC-20 standard, you can also port those assets into, into. your new uh, into your new project or a game economy that you're doing if, if you're part of that engine coin thing. Well, did you think about the possibility for other player from other game joining your game using 1155? Because it's not, it's like a two-way street, right? So if you're yeah, just so saying, okay, but of course I understand yeah. what you're saying because you are more like a stellar, uh, not more like a, you're based on this one, right? But uh, yeah, no, so so my whole thing is, uh, I, look, I think collectibles are great. They're awesome. I think, you know, NFT token, like there's a place for them in the industry. Um, it's just not a place that we feel we want to compete in because it's, I don't want to say it's like a little too obvious, but I think that, um, yeah, there's just a lot of competition. I think the real opportunity going forward is going to where people's eyeballs already are and the games are already playing. Like, I think the whole point of a new technology isn't to complicate your life with setting up like MetaMask and all the, like Mm -hmm. understanding all this new terminology. Um, you're only going to do that if it's providing some functionality to your life that wasn't there before. Oh, by the way, so here's, 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 here's the place, time for your little promotion because nobody really know what you're doing because you didn't introduce yeah, yeah. our game. You just stopped talking well, what about I was, that. What I was going to go into yeah. was with ours, uh, the value I see is in the, in the token economy itself. I see like an actual value system um, where we can tell gamers like, hey, you know, for the first time, like what you do matters. You're going to get paid to play games. And, and now they can do that. Um, but it's not something that we're going to be doing like a super game chain approach or other kind of gaming chain approaches where we want to incentivize developers to build video games on top of the chain. Because uh, that's, again, a whole other competition in itself. Mm-hmm. Building a yeah. good game, the retention rate, all there's a lot that goes into developing a good game. Um, like it yeah. could be millions, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Easily, yeah. easily. Um, top, like AAA. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh and, and like I said, frankly, I, I don't think people give two craps about um, using blockchain or not. They just want, like, they want to have fun or get played while they do it or, you know, there's, yeah. So that, that's where I'm at. So you mean so. that, uh, so, well, uh, when you're saying that people actually don't care whether you're using blockchain or not, that's actually create that, um, I would say, like a security concern, I think. Because uh, yeah. because people have he's saying no, he's no, not saying he doesn't no. no he's saying from a user a yeah. user perspective which I think is like actually, do, you, do you know what kind of engine your car runs and like all the all the nitty gritty details of your engine I or do, do you, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm <Let's>, unique <laughs> no, some because do, I care some about people that. do no but it's most ninety nine percent of people yeah. do not and it's the same thing with blockchain and gaming yeah the mechanics you know they have a whole business around like yeah helping people like navigate and fix what needs to be fixed but. At the end of the day, the thing needs to run and get you from point A to point B. Otherwise, why why is anyone going to buy it in the first place? Well, it's um, probably you're right, but it's creating as a conundrum because people uh, who join your game, hey, they have to know their opportunities and their threats. Uh, you know what I'm saying, right? Because if you're saying that I'm going to be competing with a blockchain and non-blockchain gaming you have to present some arguments for non-blockchain people joining you you can say okay why can't i do the same thing but in non-blockchain space with your type of game 
and you have to uh, it's a, of course it's a getting paid but also being able to exchange your collectibles whatever maybe you will introduce next day maybe not but it's a possibility not to be confined inside of one game but to explore other absolutely no, that's I, what i'm saying that's what yeah. i'm saying when you say that people don't care whether they are in blockchain or not joining your gaming whether it's an absolutely kind of right type of approach maybe yes maybe not i'm asking I'm just challenging you. Wait, so the review. question, the question, sorry, what was the question again? Because it's not a question, it's more like a comment on, on, your, on what you said, because you just mentioned that people should not care about yes. where we like a, what so, is inside of the engine when you drive a car. I'm absolutely not agree with this. I think that if you buy a car, you have to know what it is inside, at least on a general level, right? What type of engine you're running, what type of gas tank you have, where you put your uh, wheels. <laughs> but, yeah, what I'm saying is like that's, that's more of like a secondary thing. The first thing is like, you know, you have a car and it's like this is what the car does for you. And blockchain as a technology right now is like basically just this mess of an engine and there's nothing around it. Like people don't know what to do with this thing. Um, and so so our purpose, our goal with, with what we're doing at B-Buck is to make it very simple for the user to not just onboard on a blockchain, but give them a true use case for it. Um, and like I said, like as a, as a lifelong gamer, like being paid to play games has been like a dream of mine for a long time. <laughs> um, and it's, it's something like, you know, I, I can't be a professional cause there's like too much time you have to dedicate and there's, there's a whole bunch of other things involved, but, um, yeah, anyways, that. that's, that's one application of it. But those, those kinds of things are going to be what people actually care about more than, is this an ERC 1155 token or is this what, what kind of standard is this on? You know, like developers care because they, they're the ones who they're, actually build it. They're building it. Right? That's, that's what they're focused yeah. on. So maybe you guys can build off of this analogy because, again, I'm a, I'm a car guy as well. <laughs> um, look at the difference between a, you know, traditional combustion engine car and mm -hmm. a hybrid, mm -hmm. right? When you're trying to sell someone on, oh, these cars, you know, same power, same, very similar, but like one is a hybrid and one is a traditional, like they are going to have to know, okay, this is a hybrid. That's the difference right. in the comparison, you know, non-blockchain enabled game versus blockchain enabled game. Mm -hmm. They don't need to know like how the hybrid train powertrain works. Exactly. They don't need to know anything about that. All they need to know is... A, it's greener as long as the electricity that I'm getting is uh, <laughs> is green. Yeah. B, if it's a if it's a plug-in hybrid, I can charge it easily. And so it's like these little these little um, changes to their experience that yeah they might they have to be onboarded onto, but there's not uh, as long as they feel the benefits like oh I get 80 miles to the gallon as opposed to 20. <laughs> as long as they feel that, exactly. that's what they care the most about. And then you're right. Then I feel like oh, I have to plug in it every night or um, I have a small range extender I, I can, or I can still fill up if I need to. Like yeah. These are small things that are little adjustments that they would make as long as they're feeling like either way, I only have to plug in or you know fill the range extender every week instead of every three days. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, and even to add to that just, just a, a little bit too, like even when you're selling someone on like a hybrid versus a combustion engine, the benefit, like when they think hybrid, they're like, oh, I get better bang for my buck on gas. Right, it's like that's the value immediately for them that they would see, and then they make a decision on that. Yeah, um, that's yeah. I think you got guys too utilitarian because there is a classical approach in the marketing which says that your customers must believe and love your product, and it's not utilitarian only. It's mm -hmm. about the ideologies. You know, so many brands, well, of course, spend so much money just to get. In the right type of <laughs> Apple, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't but, need to do. But that. even with Apple, they get their ethos across that's good like crazy. That's a good, good, good but example. And my those, point, yeah, my yeah. point is that uh, as soon as you make clear for the customers that you're part of that blockchain industry, not only because of the utilitarian concerns or all the monetary consideration, but because you truly believe in that, then there are a lot of people who are going to be joining your game. Because they're also believers. That's paradoxical, but that's how marketing works. That's many people spend a lot of money on that tablet, specifically outside of the United States of America, because yeah. I say in India, the price of this is gonna be thrice. In some other countries, in maybe four, five times, people wanna be actually paying $1,500 for this one, just to be able to declare they're a member of the club. Yeah. That's my point, you see what I'm saying? 
and you just kind of yeah. disregard that okay guys there is only price on you kind of missing you know missing an opportunity to work to uh, engage as many customers you potentially can. so so let me see jason do you have an input on this one yes not uh i've got more anecdotal stuff you know in okay. history yeah, history that's, i mean that's great that's what i'm here for right yeah. so uh, blockchain and gaming has been you know uh, gaming and blockchain uh starting with bitcoin has been you know they've uh they've been together for a long time satoshi dice came out and it was the number one thing played on bitcoin you know eric voice released that mm. but even you know uh Starting in like 2010, we're talking early. Um, yeah. The game Second Life um, that's, that's had right. picked up their marketplace, yeah. right? Yeah. I didn't get goxed because I was trading all my Ooh, bitcoins Second through Second Life and exiting through PayPal. Yeah. And so um, that's how I avoided that. I was like, well, what's going to be here longer? This <laughs> gox site in Japan or the Second Life game, you know? And I was like, oh, here's an exit. I trade my bitcoins for some. Second Life credits, and then I can yeah. cash them out to PayPal. You know, so <laughs> it's been it's been a long history uh, of blockchain and uh, and gaming. You know, yeah. CryptoKitties. Well, we, right. we talked about earlier. CryptoKitties yeah. was. You know, everybody thinks it's like the first big thing that's happened. It's the first thing that happened on Ethereum, but it's not yeah. the first gaming thing of, of blockchain space. It's been around for you know, 2010. Since 2010. Yeah. Right. So yeah. something people forget about. But uh, so I think it's great that Malcolm's doing what he's doing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's newer than that. It's not just Satoshi Dice. It's something much more interesting. And uh, yeah, well, that? so I mean, I feel like at this point we should just kind of segue into like really diving deep into what you're actually doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. I feel like what we're kind of touching on is, uh, and I think blockchain and gaming as a, as a combined baby <laughs> has the ability to touch the uh, user adoption uh, problem of you know blockchain technology in a way that no other industry really has. I mean that's that's just my initial thoughts. Well, uh, pornography, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys, always that. No, that's not true. <laughs> finance, don't Enabled. Well, but it's actually a very interesting question, uh, just maybe philosophically, why gaming or gamers become one of the first users of uh, well, well, they usually yeah. they're usually you know very technically advanced. You know, they want the new thing that's come out. Yeah, they're they're, they're yeah. willing to take those risks and be like, oh, PlayStation Five. You know, they had some announcements earlier this week. I'm sure most of the PlayStation people uh, I know they're interested in that have read that article. They, they're looking at the specs, looking at you know, hey, I can run solid state drives. You know, or or whatever. So uh, gamers are typically more knowledgeable on the technology side right. in general as a huge industry and keeping up with growing things. And so, maybe yeah. it's also connected to some notion of moving the value because gaming it's gaming for something right so you can win like a magical sword or you can make so, win the yeah. points or you can win the currency and as soon as you win something you have to store it and you have to store it in some accounts and that's where that perfect combination of finance and gaming came into the play that's how i see it because gaming is an industry which is on on the uh, out front of that human interaction with value that's how i think take poker right same thing. They all poker. Any any type of game, right? Yeah. It's always about moving, shifting, moving where from one player to another. Whether it's just like points or just money, and that's why I think that can be perfect combination between gaming and blockchain and finance yeah. uh, coming to play. That's what I think. Yeah, no, I, I think yeah. I have two points I'd like to make on that. So, so the first one is so so right. The Wax released a survey that stated 55% of millennial gamers already own cryptocurrency. Yep. 55? 55%. Yeah, and that's crazy. So they clearly, like, there's there's massive market overlap between gamers and just crypto adoption in general. Wait a second. And so can, the can, can point, you, you said like a 55% of millennial, all the gaming, of millennial, millennial gamers. gamers. Because there are more than 2.1 billion, billion gamers. Yes. And how many uh, millennials take like a 20, 18% of all the, uh, like a, of the demographic? Of the demographic, so mm. it's about like uh, say uh, four hundred uh, four hundred. But they're also the future. Yes, four hundred million. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, millennials are, are normally quick to That's so bigger than the U.S. No, four hundred million is so much bigger than any numbers we ever uh, heard about, right? Because last number we discussed. So basically, uh, one of the number we always try to kind of speculate around about is uh, the number of the crypto users. 
in our podcasts. And the latest number which coming oh. to our attention was 100 million, mm-hmm. right? 120 million. Counteract and if that one. number is true, mm-hmm. it gives us like a three times more people. Oh no, then you just gave us five. a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Just, <laughs> but also the yeah, way. Yeah. I, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. So I guess the, all the that's with the wax. Survey said, and I think their sample size was okay. like five thousand. You will or show so. me this survey. Because I still yeah. don't What's believe your it. <laughs> no, again, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, it's a wax survey. Worldwide assets exchange. So, anyways, that's that's what I was familiar with, and it sounded right, you know, and it looked right. Uh, so, so that being said, I think the other thing games provide people um, is there's so there's this thing called the Octelius framework. Right. And it's basically speaking to these eight different core drivers of what makes people want to play a game. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the literally the first one is this epic meaning and calling. Right. Because when you're playing a game, you're contributing to a world much bigger than yourself where like your actions actually matter. Um, And you could see tangible results from that action and like people respect you for it, et cetera. Um, And then a couple other ones, for instance, were like social influence. Um, to where, you know, if you get really far in a game or something, you can show that to your friends somehow. And those are like the social Farmville kind of games where there's not really this Farmville. epic meaning because you're a farmer, right? But like, but you, you know, have a connection because you, multiple people are interacting with it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and so at Bebuck, you know, what we, what we do is we're developing a platform specifically around that Octelius framework and making sure that people understand um, a B-Buck, although cash is a huge benefit of it, and that's one of the core drivers, like the end game for people, hmm. um, it's, it's also more than that, right? Like you're, you're really participating in a value system um, that supersedes borders, where you're playing with a gamer in Korea and China and wherever else, um, and, and you guys can like interact and bond over this, over this stuff, the games you're already playing. Um, and so basically on the platform, uh, I know I haven't talked about it much at all, but... That was, um, your, that was your chance. Oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> let, us, uh, let us know everything about B-Buck so us yeah. and the, the listeners are familiar. Yeah, absolutely. So, so B-Buck is a platform where it takes about 10 minutes to sign up tops. Uh, right now we're synced with a game called Fortnite. You know, it's a massive game. How many hundred millions of users do they uh, have? 200 million registered users. It's 50 million active daily users, daily active users. Yeah. Um, it's massive. <laughs> it's absolutely massive. Um and then Apex came out, and even then, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're kind know, of falling off I now. Don't know a little where bit Apex more. is going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the point is, is we do battle royale games specifically because it's a hundred random people all in one location. They can't collude or fix a match. Like the winner's actually fair. Um, when a winner, when a person wins a game of Fortnite, we'll award them a currency called a B buck that has cash value, right? So we'll actually purchase that from you initially, um, and then hopefully we can build a world where. You know, you can someone else in some other country will purchase that because the utility we can give to this coin, um, and that part of that utility, for instance, is in the form of wagering. Um, so we think when you know esports, esports is one of those things that's complicated to aggregate a bunch of people into one room for, right? Yeah. Like the Olympics, at least there's kind of standards, right? Where there's there's running and swimming and jumping, and, and these things don't really change much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you can get people together, but both esports, the game mechanics, the meta changes all the time. Every day, <laughs> every, literally every day, new games come out. People change. So, so our solution is, we feel like uh, to get all these people together, it has to be a digital one. It's not going to be some some stadium. Um, so, I guess that's that's kind of what we see B Bucket as. We see it as like a, this is kind of a way for the average gamer to participate in a world where, like I said, everything they do actually matters now, and they can wager. The, the tokens they earn playing games for free, right? Like whatever games they're playing, mm-hmm. um, and then use them for stuff. And then on the flip side of that, like cash inflow, like an actual viable business model, um, we make money through two different ways. One is transaction fees off of the wagers that do happen with gamers and games of skill specifically. Yeah. The second is we want to decentralize the quality assurance industry um, specifically for video game testing. So game developers who want to test their game before it goes to market. Ooh, that's good. Um, you know, that's they're... Good. They'll, they'll want to, you know, have access to, to people to do it with. And there's also a big overlap between programmers and gamers. Um, and uh, so, yeah, this could be a two-in-one solution for them. Instead of spending 50 to 60K for a video game tester uh, in-house to test their product. Crowd test it. They crowd test it. They crowd test it. They say, here's B-Bucks and here's a bunch of micro contracts that people can do. Hmm. Earn more B-Buck. Uh, and so now your Saturday that you're spending playing games can actually be productive. Um, 
that's what we see. I got a point. So I do game test. That's one of the things that I, I've been doing for years. You guys know that. Uh, and it's interesting. Uh, over the years, it used to be you'd go in and play, and they'd give you a stack of games from whatever publisher it is. You know, not bad. But lately. <laughs> They've been throwing in like here's a fifty dollar here's a stack of games and a fifty dollar gift card you know and it, you would never get anything that had a cash equivalency yeah. when doing playtesting um, so I think that's a well, awesome here here my question because I'm pretty much outside of the industry except that I'm kind of trying to help in investment companies but uh, how explain how it works this testing in the usual okay context. so usually uh, so we got a big one here uh, I can speak a little bit I do get NDA on what I what I test <laughs> with them but. Uh, uh, Redwood City, you know, it's close to here. EA is right there. And so uh, once a week, they'll send out a list of, you know, emails if you're on their list of, hey, we've got openings to play test and play this game at, at EA, right? So uh, it's usually a four to six hour block. Sometimes they'll do like weekend things where you can test at your house or whatever. Um, but you roll in, you, you let them know what, you, what games you want, what you're interested in. Uh, they aggregate from that list and you go in and play games for whatever while you're being taped or whatever. But it's not paid, right? It's, it's not paid. They give you like games. But lately, they've been throwing out like fifty dollars gift, card. gift cards and things like that. So basically, your incentives yeah. mostly like uh, moral and having the satisfaction of being the first guy to play the game, right? And and games cost like sixty bucks, and when you walk yeah. out with how many, how many five work? of them, you know, or whatever, That's, you know, you could turn those yeah. in there. In the package, right? They're yeah. not used, so you can right. turn around and sell those. Oh, you mean that they give so you for free, exchange, right? For free, in exchange oh, okay. for coming in for my time. So there's but, but, but now they're adding yeah, the gift cards on top of it. On top yeah. of it. So yeah. you basically become even... the first user and the first owner of the game. It's not simply like... It's not, it, it's not that game. They'll give me something from the back catalog of their yeah. games. Ah, I see, I see. Oh, shit. So now what you're saying, you're mm -hmm. adding on top of that industry that possibility for the guys like be paid, right? Yeah, you don't have to be like location-based to go into mm -hmm. a studio or anything. It's like you basically release your build and then people all over the world can play that. And in addition to that, it's also marketing for your game mm -hmm. and it's also being able to add features uh, like dynamically as you're making it. Right? So similar like how Fortnite will release a new update every single month where it's like cool new features and they listen very, very closely to the community. Um, this is how you build that relationship with the community um, would be through through B-Buck for these game developers. It, it would awfully, it would have to be, you know, uh, a later build. You know, mm -hmm. early builds, you know, oh, companies yeah. are not going to let anybody take a picture of anything. No. You know, when yeah. you walk in, they take, you know, you, know, you walk through a metal detector, like alpha testing you hand, you like hand, you hand your cameras off, yeah. nothing is getting photographed at any of those like, you know, early tests, but later on in the testing cycle, yes, I can see how this, well, how this could work. Here's a challenge for you, right? So uh, just yesterday, I was a participant of the uh, Team Draper University Hackathon in Gaming. I was literally sitting there and coding <laughs> for this one. So, and there were for about like a 26 different ideas, at least maybe three of them. They're going the same direction you do. So basically, mm -hmm. they are trying to compensate people for different types of gaming, participation in gaming. The difference. My question sure. is, Providing that there are going to be a growing number of companies who are doing something or similar to what you're doing, do you have a plan for withstanding this competition? How maybe you don't have like a clear plan, but what is your expectations? How you expect your company to change with time? That's my question. No, that's a good question. So, so I feel like our plan right now is to focus purely on the token economy. We're not building games. We're not being like, we're not developing some crazy blockchain protocol where we need millions of dollars to run. We're focusing on one thing and we're going to do it really well. Um, and most other companies, when you look at them, they try and be this massive platform is what they call themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and they try all these different things um, and there's no focus there. And so, so our, what I think is going to differentiate us is um, because we're going to execute so well on providing this standard of what it means to win a video game through Battle Royale games specifically, um, there's actually going to be a, a, a point of pride that our users feel when they have a B-Buck, right? It's the difference between like a, like Dre beats or like, uh, you know, just random air, air phones off. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so you're creating brands. So you're trying to establish the I, first and create the brand, which then people are going to be having this, uh, kind of connection, which you the one we're going to be able to break, uh, in terms of using other currencies. So that's your point, right? Somewhat, yeah. Right. I think brand, but also also like network effects is a very real thing, especially within the blockchain space, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because that's literally like like tokens work off of Metcalf's law, right? So it's like the more you have, the more that like telecommunications network grows in value. Okay. Um, so so those are the biggest things, and I think uh, everyone else right now, when you look at it, the games they're doing are just kind of random mobile games. It's like here's some 
game nobody knows about and you're going to get paid for it. It's like, I, I don't want to do that. You know, that's not fun. <laughs> I want to I go play Fortnite. I want to go play, like, Halo. I want to go play Call of Duty. I want to play games I'm already playing and make money from those, but I don't want to have to risk anything for it, right? It's like, I, that those portion of people, that whole tail end of the gaming industry is what we're after, um, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand that as well as we do. Yeah, so... Oh, I have two questions. I do want to get into uh, some of the other uh, gaming applications so you're talking about, like mm-hmm. the competitors. So, like, I do want to talk about some of the other applications that people are trying to use blockchain for in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but firstly, I wanted to ask you: um, Have you interacted with uh, some of the the publishers of the larger companies or the platforms already, like Steam um, or what's what's the, the platform? Uh, Epic. Oh, Epic yeah, has Epic their games, own yeah. uh, their own platform for all their games, mm-hmm. right? Um, I feel like Steam, especially, is like uh, someone who hosts all the games. They take a large cut of the developers' uh, publishing fees. Yeah, right? publishing fees. They take thirty percent, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's massive. Um, so, how do you perceive as the company grows, as Bbuck, you know, and Network Effect and whatnot? How do you see them taking it? How do you see them interacting with it? Because and just off to the top, I could see them thinking like, oh, I want to use this too, but they maybe want to create their own version. So, yeah, let me know what you think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like at the end of the day, um, you know, when Epic Games or Steam are taking these cuts, it's essentially for distribution, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're giving the game to a much larger audience and they could attain themselves. Yeah. Um, so if if we can do something similar with, with B-Buck and kind of have this marketplace for game developers to post their things, yeah. um, and especially if they can up those in price, like with B Buck, that's that's all we care about. Really, is the token being used for stuff like utility driving features, always for the token. Um, then I think we could probably reduce those publishing fees, right? Um, and it's a matter of just spending the token on stuff. Um, so that's how I would see it. I think other game companies specifically in the blockchain space are better positioned for that particular market yeah i know one in particular called you miriam that does that pretty well and they've already partnered with some big game titles okay um so it's something that would be cool for us to do later on but um i definitely don't think it's going to be our main focus from at least from these first couple years or a couple first year at least okay sure um yeah let's see what else uh we wanted to dive into um so what are some of the biggest challenges that you've uh, kind of run into trying to get this idea off the ground? Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Uh, no, when, sure. I, when yeah. I first met Spet, man, yeah. It, it, My it, car. It, it, was a, it, it was a journey. Yeah. It was like, absolutely. You don't want to talk about your car. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot, of, a lot of bad stuff happened. It was... Yeah. Uh, yeah, one example was, so I did have like a Ledger Nano S, you know, I was in San Francisco, I had my laptop, I had like business cards that I got from uh, Switzerland, like it was, I was like, it was a good backpack, my passport was in there, <laughs> someone broke into my car, robbed all the stuff, everything went down, I was like broke because I lost all my crypto, I'd go get a job for a little bit, you know, and like, and like work it off. And, and it then, was uh, the next day, these guys were meeting in uh, this beautiful place, Palo. Uh, it was uh, in that house, that right? House, yeah. We were meeting there, and this guy was like absolutely not his own. And I was thinking, <laughs> what's going on? Because I was talking to him, trying to teach some wisdom to him. He was like absolutely not listening. <laughs> <laughs> he relates with me. So he was like, you must be joking. Wow, <laughs> Holding all assets in one computer who was kind of snatched from his window. Yeah. And he is actually getting in an extremely difficult situation, but he's managed to absolutely, I don't know, amazing. Because after like a two months you kind of re-merge like yes different level and there are like more people aren't you new developers uh, you, you also got like a lot of problem with your first development team oh remember? yeah you remember no, the guy freaked out he left yes, he, he took like, down our whole website in a day was the guy was so pissed your laptop no, First, no, sorry. Okay. This was so I had oh, a, this is a different thing. Yeah, I had a guy I was working with, um, and he was kind of like interim CTO kind of guy, seeing how things work out. And he was very bipolar. And so we had a thing where, you know, we had the website up, everything was looking kind of cool. And then he talked kind of badly to this other developer we were working with. He was like overseas. And I was like, hey man, like maybe you shouldn't be so harsh on this guy. It's like, don't ever tell me how to talk, leaves our Slack channel, takes down the entire B-Buck website offline. So I wake up the next morning, I was like, oh my God, it's gone. I tried calling him, he wouldn't answer the phone. I literally had to go drive to his house, 
and like go in and calmly say, look, man, we basically got married when we did this and we had a kid and that kid is B-Buck. And right now you're abusing our kid. Yeah. I was like, yeah, just let this kid live, man. Like, just just let it do its thing. But like, we could have disagreements and all that stuff. And so it was crazy. Think think about that from my point of view. Like, I mean, I'm shareholder of the company and these guys virtually virtually become the worst company in my portfolio. Like, I'm going like, boom. And I was like, man, do we have something else which can go wrong with this one? Maybe, you know, like losing losing your court whatsoever Man. but actually uh he drive from through that like absolutely in a bush he was like okay just the problem we address it whatever it takes and it was like a, a one of the things which makes me stick with this company because i truly believe not i i'm like a long-term investor so i'm mostly believing people so uh, technology is a second for me secondary although i'm a quarter but i know that if you have a will you have a way it's very simple right and this guy got a will that's what my opinion Basically, well, I'm advertising <laughs> straight for chilling, shooting like hell. We're gonna have to put he a spon- sponsored uh, post yeah. on the video. <laughs> well, you know, I'm an open guy. Just... <laughs> yeah. so oh, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, sign up. Uh, it's super simple. Go to uh, bbuck.io and click the sign up button. And then you put in your email, your gamer tag, and two different passwords. Um, and then it's done. And then after that, you also have to authenticate your Fortnite account because you, you, the only reason, the only way you'll be able to join is if you do play Fortnite right now. Um, once you do that, then you'll get shot to the dashboard. Uh, then just put your phone in your pocket and go play video games and uh, start earning B-Buck, assuming you win. That sounds like a pretty friendly uh, user experience. Super, super friendly, yeah. That we've been needing in the space. Yeah, no, definitely. So, um, does anyone else have any last uh, questions before we send our guests off? No, no show for me. (laughs) 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 Sorry, guys. (laughs) Can't hold myself. Cool. Well, uh, I think that I think that's it for today. I mean, I really appreciate you coming down. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, yeah it was this awesome. Was, this Good was time. really fun. Uh, you know, like I'm like a passionate gamer, like Jason is. We've got this wonderful table. We're yeah. Did I? <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, we're we're gonna be selling uh, Bitcoin billiard tables if anyone's interested. <laughs> no, you won't be because that's actually the present from another of my uh, of my. Uh, don't forget that. <laughs> there, there. <laughs> we will. That is a present to me personally, guys. So I'll keep it here. <laughs> if there's enough interest, Matt will personally give his <laughs> a Bitcoin bill. One of one. Too. Yeah, exactly. Um, message us on uh, <laughs> online. Let us know. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. So thank you very much for checking out this episode of State of the Industry. Again, I'm Chris Gaines. Um, any announcements? Uh, at the Den, we've got a bunch of stuff happening, like always uh yeah um (laughs) sorry uh let me let me do it (laughs) we've got uh we've got my partner back here uh throwing me off (laughs) um so yeah we're gonna be running uh our blockchain for developers class uh in two locations coming up very soon uh we have our most recent cohort's been going amazing um, if anyone is interested in learning how it's been going, uh, we're more than happy to talk to you and tell you about our, our current students. Um, and we're having another one in Hacker Dojo starting in July, uh, as well as in um, at, uh, in Starfish. We partnered with uh, Starfish Network up in San Francisco. Um, we're going to be running classes over there as well, both the blockchain for developers as well as Hyperledger um, and our data structures and algorithms class. So if you're looking to get into development in this space, we are the place to do it. Hit us up, theden.io, and we'll go from there. Any other final words? Well, thank you for listening to our podcast and joining our our, uh, subscribe to the channel because here we try to be objective as as much (laughs) as we can and talk about the state of the industry, about the companies, share our honest opinion about what's happening. Uh, you can find me in uh, pretty much uh, Google, you just Google Svet Sedov. You can join my Telegram channel, Ask Svet About Crypto, or you can send me your messages through any types of media, I mean, social media like a Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Quora, you name it. Telegram, yeah.
Yeah, and I'd say my, my final words definitely join the aspect about crypto group. It's like very good commentary. He analyzes all the white papers. It's like fantastic breakdowns. Um, I would Thank say for, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say for uh, for in terms of V Buck, um, if you don't play Fortnite and you still want to participate somehow, uh, you can always reach me at Malcolm at bbuck.io. Or if you're more on the investor side, because like I said, I love fundraising. Um, <laughs> go visit pi.capital. Um, we're one of the top. Por- performing portfolio companies on there so far um and you can buy equity for as low as 50 dollars in there um so definitely definitely worthwhile and uh you know me jason uh try to stay off social you can't find me on linkedin <laughs> don't and, look for him <laughs> yeah, don't find me um i'll try to find you maybe uh but i should have an announcement here coming up and maybe uh we'll give it a couple weeks yeah, yeah. got some so fun working stay oh, tuned cool. stay, yeah, stay tuned cool. for oh we have a drama here right so <laughs> watch the next podcast Shilling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to know what's going on in his life <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks again for watching, everyone. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, Follow our podcast everywhere. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.